Um, I discussed this before with Mani. Uh, he would really like to hear what you have to say about this movie. So if you have any questions or impressions, please uh, do interrupt us. Um, there's another guest here. Charlie, she is uh, the Charlie. producer yeah. of the movie. <coughs> Mani, how long did you work on this film and how did you choose the children? Uh, hello everybody, thank you for coming. Um, we work on the project for, um, shooting time was like uh, one year, over uh, a year, and at the end of 2013 it started until the end of 2014. That was for the shooting time, coming back every uh, few months uh, to you know, see uh, how the life of those children were, was evolving. And um, choosing the children, it was through friends and contacts who were working in the camps or who were working in different NGOs. Or um, yeah, Syrian friends that put me in contact with the people of the camp and then you know, as I was going, to the camp, you, you you meet people and you discuss, you explain your project, and then you you see uh, who is willing to be part of it and who is um, somehow in which are the children who are feeling comfortable enough to talk and in that you feel that they have enough emotional support from their family so that they could uh, handle you know such interviews, I guess, and um, and which are the children who also highlight something perhaps bigger than their own story, but something that is uh, indicative of the whole situation and situation of uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, children. Yeah, because there are many in Lebanon. How many refugees are there in Lebanon? In Lebanon, uh, registered, it's like 1.2 million over a population of 5 million. But there are also many, um, many refugees who are not uh, re re registered like officially, so it's probably a you know, 1.5 million at least. Um, so that was actually why we decided to focus on Lebanon specifically, because there are other, other surrounding countries who also have a very important refugee population, like Turkey, um, Jordan, of course, mm -hmm. uh, Iraq, but Lebanon has this uh, specificity that like the population, the refugee, the refugees, the Syrian refugees, uh, like now are one quarter of the population. Um, obviously, also, it has this long history of uh, um, granting asylum to refugees. Like, you know, we can think about, obviously, uh, the Palestinian refugees in Lebanon who mm -hmm. have been there for 60 years, some of them. Yep. It's quite a difference if you look at the discussion now going on in Europe, eh? about tens of thousands of refugees. I think another thing about Lebanon um, was that uh, there were no official refugee camps because... Uh, um, in part because the Palestinian refugee camps are still there to this day, and so the problem hasn't been solved. And so a lot of the Syrian refugees, uh, a lot of the families that we were uh, working with, had to actually pay rent for their um, for the land that their 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 tents are on, um, and that puts a lot of strain on uh, families in in the country, of course. Yeah, you saw one family being evacuated from there. Place. What does this do, this do to ch to the children? Yes, it's uh, the family of Abdu and Aya. They uh, at one point uh, had a conflict with the landlord, uh, the owner of the of the land, because they they they, they considered that they had uh, put their tent in in too much. That they used too much space, and they should like pay extra 
So it was too much for them, so they had to shrink the tent. Um, obviously, that affects the lives of your children because yeah. it, um, I mean, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can see uh, the, the, the first images with that family where it's quite cozy, there's carpet mm -hmm. on the walls, the fire is burning, compared to the, the tent which you see uh, the second time we meet the family where there is this issue with um, the land uh, rental and, uh, and all of a sudden there's, there's no warmth, there's no coziness, you know, it's dripping all over. It, it has a psychological impact, of course. Yeah. Did you show the, the movie, the documentary to the families, to the children? No, not yet, not yet. I haven't um, been able to see them again mm -hmm. after I finished. Um, been in contact with them by phone, but I uh, haven't seen them yet. Uh, to be honest, I have a bit like mixed views on showing them the work. I mean, that was obviously something that I was uh, willing to do, and I'm still considering it, but uh, I have some mixed views about it because I feel like my, um, my view on the, the situation is quite bleak. So I don't want like also, I mean, I want to show them what we have done and at the same time, I don't want to, uh, you know, put this mirror in their face and tell them, well, basically you have a, you have a very uh, bleak prospect in, in yeah. the coming years. Um, uh, probably I'll wait a little bit until I can show it to them. Yeah, it's, it's not hopeful enough. There's nothing they gain from it, you think? Uh, no, I mean, it's not very yeah. hopeful. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. Um, Yes, because the uh, situation is pretty dire. I mean, obviously they keep on living, they keep on, uh, you know, struggling, but uh, it's also the, st the general story, not specifically, for example, their own very story, but more generally, the situation of the refugees is, is not very uh, mm -hmm. uh, hopeful because they, that's something that we realized, you know, over the months, uh, as we first met them, Many refugees uh, had arrived uh, very recently for, you know, the few months before. Some of them just had arrived, like, really literally, uh, you know, the very day I arrived to the camp, there was some new arrival, uh, especially in Arsal on the Syrian border, because uh, it's so close to the border, and there was some new new military uh, attack on a town close by, so a lot of refugees fled, and they literally arrived at, um, just the same day. And, you know, many of them, they obviously don't go uh, arrive in Lebanon with the idea that they're going to settle and that's it. It's the new no, they, they stay there. They, they cross the border with the idea that it's going to be brief and uh, with the idea that as soon as they can, they will come back. They want to come back home. Um, but months after months, uh, there is no prospect to the end of the war. And um, just uh, as Abdu is saying at the end, um, they don't see any time soon they, when they will be mm -hmm. able to come back. And, um, and then, like doing some research, we realized that this is a problem not just in Syria, I mean, for the Syrian refugee crisis, but for in, in general in the world, there are many um, refugees uh, who left their countries and years after they are still not back. Like, um, so that's why uh, UNHCR. Well, that's what uh, UNHCR uh, data means at the end. That the average time that uh, refugee uh, spend outside of their country is like 70 years. So it's a, it's a long, long, um, long, long time. Yeah, and the only girl that gets out of the region, she never wants to go back. Yeah. 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 Understandably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would like to hear a little bit more about your uh, bond with uh, Syria. 
you uh, lived there, I understand. You studied there. Can you tell us about yeah, that? I'm, I'm not Syrian. Other, I'm not Lebanese. No, no, you're bond. Yeah. You're yeah, bond yeah, sure, with sure. Syrian. Yeah. I'm, I'm French Algerian, but I started um, traveling uh, in Syria when I was 18, you know, studying Arabic there, spending months. And then after a few years, I, I settled for four years there. I keep on studying Arabic there. Um, I left um, in 2000, 2001 and never came back for 10 years. Um, and then when the uprising started in March 2011, six months after that, I was, uh, I was in Syria and uh, in Homs, uh, working as an independent photographer. And, and then I started doing films and kept on coming back um, in Syria until I work on this project in Lebanon. And you made a few films in, uh, uh, in Homs. Have you, you made some movies in Syria as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before this this uh, work in Lebanon, all my uh, films were done in Syria, in Homs, in Hama, uh, during the, the war. Yeah. yeah, and now you're concentrating more on uh, stories about the refugees, people who escaped the the, uh, the war. I mean, the no. the film like took a mm -hmm. year and a half altogether to finish. So yes, there was uh, a lot of my uh, um, work was on on this uh, issue. Then, with what happened, like since um, last summer, with the, the refugee crisis arriving also now in in, in Europe, um, yes, I started going in Greece and see um, working with human rights organization to document and film what is the situation of Syrian refugees, Afghans, and and others arriving in uh, Greek islands. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are there any uh, questions <coughs> at uh, this point from the audience? Yeah. I see your finger there. Uh, I have to repeat, they asked me to repeat because they're recording it. Layim, in the end, he talks about Daesh and IS, and his mother says, no, you shouldn't say Daesh, mm. say IS. Why? What's the story behind that? Uh, Layim is living in Arsal. Arsal is just, it's really on the border of Syria. It's, it's like, uh, you could say it's already Syria somehow. Uh, the Syrian refugee population in Arsal is, is um, more important than the Lebanese population itself. Um, so, as you probably understood uh, before, um, what happened just uh, before he, he talks about that is that IS uh, fighters and other um, other armed groups, Syrian armed groups, had uh, entered the town and took control of the town, and then there was a fight with the Lebanese army and Hezbollah who who regained control of the town, and they the Syrian population got in the middle, as as often. Um, so, Daesh uh, means in Arabic, IS. It means Islamic State of uh, Iraq and Sham and Syria. 
uh, it is the, the literal, it's the acronym, the Arabic acronym, but it has a derogatory meaning. It, it's, it's not considered, um, it, it's considered derogatory to say Daesh. So people who would say Daesh, uh, they would, you know, definitely not be Daesh supporters. <laughs> and if Daesh fighters would hear someone say, call them Daesh, they would definitely be uh, very angry about it. Um, so his mother, I think, is, uh, you know, telling him, like, you know, watch out how you talk, you know, because you never know who's going to listen to you and you don't want, uh, you know, we don't want trouble. So, yeah. It might be dangerous to, to use the word Daesh, yeah. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to use that word and have a Daesh supporter listen to you. Yeah. I mean, at that moment, obviously, there is no, it's just a family, but it's just a general advice, I think. Yeah. Uh, yes, hello. Uh, since the terrorist attacks in Paris uh, two weeks ago, there is a big debate in France about the possible infiltration of the, the Islamists among the, the refugees. Uh, from your experience during all those months, There's a fear of uh, uh, with the refugees coming people from IS. How do you see that risk? I mean, in general, it's obviously a problem to have um, uh, important numbers of people coming illegally uh, without any kind of screening. That's obviously uh, a problem for any state, I assume. Um, that said, um, it's obviously, uh, you know, it would be ludicrous to, to, to uh, associate the refugees with the terrorists or Islamist uh, militants. Um, they are the very people who are fleeing them. They are the very people who are, you know, seeking refuge and safety for their family. So I, I think there is, a, you know, there is a problem that needs to be addressed and there needs to be why those people are going illegally and crossing illegally, obviously, is because there is no other ways. They are, even if they would be entitled to have refugee status and that we should um, grant them asylum under the, you know, the, the in international obligation that we have, we're not doing it. Um, so there is no other legal ways for them to, to, to reach Europe. So this should, be, should change if we... Um, but yeah, I would never make uh, any uh, equal sign. <laughs> I mean, there is like, if you have like, you know, even if you had like one, one um, IS, uh, um, sorry, fighter being infiltrated with the refugees among, you know, a hundred thousand um, refugees, you know, um, really going to Europe to, to seek safety, it's, it would be really completely unfair and, and uh, morally wrong to just like disregard all those people fleeing just because of that one uh, fighter. But um, yeah, we it, it poses a problem in general, but it needs to be addressed legally. So that's yeah. mine. It would change public opinion completely, but it would be un unfair. Yeah? Sorry? And it would, uh, if there's one IS fighter amongst a, a, a large group of yeah. refugees, it would be a disaster yeah. for the image of refugees in Europe. But it would be only one, because now they're escaping for the same enemy, that's the, the violence they run for. I mean, we cannot yeah, take excuse of this to disregard the, the, the very, uh, you know, the, we need to, to protect those people, the people who are really um, refugees, we need, we need to protect them. Um, and um, 
if there are a few, um, you know, a few people who are trying to infiltrate uh, um, and, and, and try to, to hide themselves within the refugees, in mm -hmm. state will be, uh, I mean, they have all the right to, to do security screening, but to disregard all those people just on this space, I think it doesn't, um, it's not reasonable. I, I mean, uh, having worked there for the time that we did, I think there's a real sense that um, inaction on the part of European countries would be far more damaging than, uh, you know, taking the risk of, of bringing uh, in refugees with infiltration. I, the, the situation in Lebanon since we've been there has, has worsened. Uh, World Food Program has stopped uh, giving food. The, the amount of debt that families are getting into has increased. Uh, the hostility of host communities uh, who understandably are you know, frustrated that they're not getting jobs anymore and that resources are having to be stretched very thin is increasing. So I think that, um, you know, that, that in itself, there's a sense that that in itself is a breeding ground for terror more than anything mm -hmm. else. So, so, uh, so I guess um, there, there's never a question of what the European position should be. When you, you, you've, you've been there many times, uh, how do you look at the debate going on in Europe about the amount of refugees coming to Europe and uh, the problems that European countries have with that when you compare it to the number of uh, refugees that are being sheltered in the neighboring countries? Um, I, I don't follow the debate very closely in Europe, so I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, but I, definitely the amount of strain that's happening on, uh, that's, that's being put on the neighboring countries, Jordan, Turkey, Lebanon. But Lebanon was just, um, it, it, like Mani said very early on in this conversation, it's, it's, uh, there's very little hope at the moment, and the outlook is, is really quite, uh, quite pessimistic. I mean, I know that the NGOs on the ground are, are trying their best, um, but even they've only got something like 40% of the funding needs. So it, it is, uh, it, that, that, that should uh, point a finger at other countries that are talking about thousands or tens of thousands as compared to 1.2 million in Lebanon. I mean, I mean, in general, uh, refugees want to come back. Yeah, that's uh, the so general idea. Those who are going to, I mean, wherever they are going, they they're trying to to settle new life, but with the idea that they would really like to come back. It's true when, yeah, most of it. With uh, Fatima, the, the girl that you saw who went to Switzerland, she had a very particular reason for not wanting to go back, which was that she was paralyzed by shrapnel in the conflict. And so uh, there, there was, you know, which, as she said, there was uh, very little, um, uh, th there, was, there was very little infrastructure for her to be able to continue to, to, to live. She, she just couldn't conceive of going back to, to the place that had, had done that extent of damage to her. And, and she was being treated very well in Switzerland, um, given her condition. And in, in the neighboring countries, uh, the, the people don't get a permanent status. Huh? It's not like they become 
inhabitants of the country. Can you explain about that, their positions? No, it's, it's, in why it's, it's something also that has uh, like uh, pushed many refugees to, to go to Europe, is that uh, sometimes they had been uh, you know, in Turkey or in Lebanon for months or years. But uh, the situation where they, that they are in is kind of a bit, uh, they're a bit in limbo, you know, with the access to education being really difficult for the children, access to work for the fa for for the the family, for the the parents being very limited because they're not granted uh, you know work permits, so they can only work in some you know illegally and so being underpaid. So all this. Uh, with on top of it, with the, you know the UN funds for for Syrian refugees being underfunded, there's less and less uh, money to UNHCR has less and less money, so all this situation has pushed a lot of people to to decide just to leave because this situation is too much unstable. Yeah, yeah, the In, in Lebanon, it's fairly easy. I mean, they're fairly like media friendly to in general. Uh, I'm talking about the authorities. Huh? Uh, although to go to Arsal because it's a militarized zone. I mean, it's uh, because the security situation there is is uh, complicated. So you have to get permission from the defense minister and uh, the intelligence. Um, otherwise, in different parts of Syria, the problem is the you know the there are security issues because there are armed groups here and there. Because there is tension between, uh, you know. Sorry. Did it feel safe? Uh, depending, but we take uh, you take measures, uh, you take uh, precautions. Yes. I mean, especially in Arsal at the end of the, after the um, last summer, um, not summer before, um, with the IS. Um, Fighters taking, uh, gaining control of the town for some time, and they have um, supporters in the town. They had kidnapped uh, military, Lebanese military, and beheaded them, and so on and so forth. And we know what happened to many of the foreign journalists who get um, in, in um, who fell in their hands. So yes, we had uh, to be careful and be, you know, uh, minimize the movements and minimize. Um, uh, I think the the. Uh, Palestinian camp, Shatila, was the most interesting in terms of authorization because uh, the Lebanese authorities don't really operate within the camp. Each section it sort of belongs to a different um, de facto authority, and so you really had to go to um, different groups for each neighborhood within the, the, the camp to be able to film uh, openly. So that was, uh, could get confusing at times. That was more getting into Lebanese and Palestinian politics. Yeah. Does anyone have more questions? Yeah. Yeah. Is there help for traumatized Kimberg, uh, children in uh, in the camps? Very few. Huh? Even like um, Nuruddin, who was the the one who would, uh, you know, you would assume that uh, his uh, need for uh, psychological um, support would be uh, would be um, uh, obvious, and that he the, he never his parents were trying to find uh, that, but uh, the only NGO who was providing psycho psychological support to children 
uh, didn't have any mi enough means. Um, so they supported a few, it was like 10 children, but they never could um, um, get access to it. Yeah, very often the NGO work uh, focused a lot on uh, basic needs, uh, water, food, uh, safe spaces for children, and eventually schools. But in terms of uh, kids who had been particularly traumatized, it was, it was much harder to come by. Yeah, because the mother, she asked her son, what did you talk to the doctor about? But that was yeah. not really psychological. Uh, yeah, may he talk to uh, uh, one of the psychologists? So, um, one of the psychologists, exactly, but he could not attend the whole. Um, um, it was just a one-off. Yeah, the after him, Do you want to do a follow-up? Follow I'm staying in touch. I uh, asked them, you know, where always their life, and we keep in touch by phone, but. For now, it's, uh, I cannot answer that question. I don't know what uh, will happen. Um, I think perhaps in a few years, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, it would be interesting uh, to see in a few years what happens to these children. Yeah, in the What will... Bashar al-Assad, think of this film. Yeah. You want to I doubt he gives a damn, but um, yeah. Yeah. Is there any uh, last question in the audience? Well, Manny, thank you very much. Yeah. I think. Thank uh, you. Thank you all for coming. I'll yes. I would just like to just thank uh, before you leave. I don't know if we, we didn't mention that the film has been financially supported by Save the Children UK, mm -hmm. who made the film, you know, it, it allowed us to, to do the, the film. So it's, um, yeah. Okay. So thank so, you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.